Hello, and welcome to Are You Karate Kidding Me? Your resource for recaps, reviews, and items of interest from all around the Miyagi-verse. I'm your host, Colin Kennedy. I am your host, Jenny Carlson. And we come to you live, well, perhaps not live, but as close to it as possible for a podcast, because we are broadcasting the morning of Cobra Kai Season 5 release week. It is Monday, September 5th. It is Labor Day. Happy Labor Day, Colin. Happy, happy Labor Day. So we're not going to do too much labor. labor. I don't consider this labor. This is fun. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it is work, but it's something we do that brings us joy that we don't ask the man to pay us for. That's right. I guess to prove it, what we can do is like prisoners holding up today's newspaper. We can check out some of the tweets on the Twitterverse this beautiful Monday morning, September 5th. 2022 as we are indeed lightly captive to the wait for yes. cobra kai season five yeah so, so what do we got for those items of interest there are so many items of interest y'all i mean number one the cast is everywhere and it's really exciting we have seen interviews not only with people like sholo and the hollywood reporter talking about cobra kai and blue beetle or billy and ralph talking about the future of an extended miyagi verse uh, we've been rting all those on our feed but remember, it is Miyagi-verse out there if you're talking about the yeah the Karate Kid expanded universe. Yeah. It's much faster to say. I don't it know is. why people don't just go Miyagi-verse all the time. But back to the coverage, though. It's great. Like, the young cast has been getting some interview time in. So, Griffin Santo Pietro, Dallas Dupre Young, and Melina Rivero as Leah. So, generations of the cast. So, all you need to do is go on to Cobra Kai Twitter, check out our account, Follow so many others. Billy and Ralph were at the Creative Arts Emmys. I haven't seen video of them presenting yet, but I'm sure it was hilarious. And they clean up pretty nice. Our buddy Amy at Sabrina Obscura pulled the Getty images and they looked great. In terms of official promotion, we have the Netflix billboards that are in Hollywood mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for the different dojos for Cobra Kai, Miyagi-Do, Eagle Fang. I see Alicia Hannah Kim, one of our new senseis, is posting some pics of these Cobra Kai billboards, yeah. which look, yeah, it looks like it is taking over. Yeah, she's been... This is what you want to see. She's been out and getting footage of all that stuff. And there's a big display at the Grove in the middle of LA, like lots of windows bedecked with pictures of Terry Silver and That's Cobra Kai. a great Kai. place to do it, yep. It is, in the middle of everything. So, if you're in LA, please stop by on our behalf. And also, cheers, shout out to everybody who's going to make it to the premiere on the 6th. We wish we were there. We couldn't make it this time. We tried, but it just wasn't going to work out. So we're excited to watch it here at home, staying up all night. But it looks like they're going to have a lot of fun in the open air with some food trucks and the cast and crew. So that is excellent. So without further ado, if you did not get the memo, we are dropping an episode Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday this week. That's we right. We are honor bound to drop all of our cobra kai season four recaps before season five comes out and by gosh we're gonna do it with this we with a gargantuan effort of recording and editing and production we had a lot of raw material sitting around and the summer was much more packed than we anticipated some of it is stuff that we've been recording and working on but yeah we've lined it up in such a way that we can release it back to back to back right So, because we had this backlog and we had just a little more to do, we decided to line it up and release it one after the other. And uh, we're pretty excited because it turned into an inadvertent countdown. Yeah. So, I know that y'all are counting down. I know our buddies over at Cobra Kai Companion are doing the rewatches on Facebook. Well, the funny (laughs) thing is, the 50 Days of Cobra Kai is going to line up with what we're doing because he's doing them in episode order two. So, this week should be the end of season four as well. Also, we're excited to add that we are appearing as guests on the Waiting in the Sky podcast. Our buddy TJ asked us to come on. He is a great host. We had a great time talking about Cobra Kai, talking about the new season, and doing a bracket. Yes, we do have a bracket, so definitely check that episode out because you're definitely going to have some opinions after hearing us logic out who would win in in this fictional All-Valley bracket. We did not see the result going the way it did, but... I kind of did, but... Really? No, actually I didn't. But I'll tell you what I did know, which was that judging on the bracket that TJ generated, 
I knew there was going to be some great, interesting discussion. So you're definitely going to want to tune in and, and listen to that. He tells us that will drop on Thursday, September 8th. So please go give him a listen. His podcast is lovely. And it was a privilege to be on. And, and congrats to him for having a dog who was silent through most of that recording, unlike ours. Understandable. <laughs> We're about to dive in. But first, we also need to tell you about today's cocktail. That's right. So again, if you're just joining us, our project for this season of Cobra Kai has also been to introduce a new cocktail with every episode this season in honor of events that happen in the episode, in honor of characters or something that they say may inspire us. And this week we are inspired by Moon. Yes, this week's cocktail is Moon Juice which we made as a non-alcoholic or very, very mildly because it has kombucha. Of course, it's Moon's theme drink. So of course it's gonna have booch, but we made it as a one-to-one orange juice and kombucha drunk out of mimosa glasses. So this is very exciting. And we are a fan. Uh, I will say that the kombucha we got was very heavy which makes sense if you would have otherwise put some form of sparkling wine. And if you want to drink a kombucha mimosa, you can just use kombucha in place of orange juice, or you can do an orange juice kombucha mix with sparkling wine. But I would say, if you're gonna do it that way, I would put the juice and the booch in the same grouping together. So we did here equal parts kombucha and orange juice, if I were doing it the other way with kombucha, orange juice, and sparkling wine, I would do two parts of sparkling wine and one part each of kombucha and orange juice. Yeah. But make no mistake, you can definitely enjoy this as a mocktail. That's what we're doing right now. Uh, the ginger in the kombucha still gives you kind of that tickle yeah. as, you, uh, as you sip it. It's true. And I have never been a big fan of kombucha until, shockingly, I was visiting a buddy in California who got me into it. And I think it's perfect for this use. In fact, Mm -hmm. when I don't want alcohol or can't have it for any reason, this is probably going to be my choice. Oh, for sure. Because it is lovely and tart and bubbly. So on that note, without further ado, whether you're making a toast with us or you are just buckling in for our recap and analysis... Welcome and cheers to cheers to season five to season five and the last four days of season four. So shall we get into it? Yes. All right. Then without further ado, let's get into tonight's episode. Season four, episode six. Kicks get chicks. Kicks get chicks. We open on the All Valley Sports Arena where Master Ron and the Karate High Council have a cluster in progress. Indeed. Master Ron reminds us that we are missing Daniel LaRusso as current senseis can't serve on the board. And of course, George rolls his eyes because George doesn't like these rules. That's right. There's a lot of eye rolling, which does raise the question exactly who are these people? Because they don't all look like senseis. They really don't. Why are people who don't actually seem like they do karate on the board, if current senseis can't serve... I mean, a couple of them do look like senseis. Maybe it's less a karate high council and more a case of a karate PTA, maybe? Yeah. The Harper Valley Karate PTA. I want to tell you all a story about a Harper Valley widowed wife. <laughs> Sue could be a sensei, right? Sue could be a sensei, a sensei named Sue, as Johnny Cash once sang about. Indeed, that's why they named her Sue. That's right. So, Master Ron is noting to the Karate High Council that after last year's epic tournament... We want to make sure that Karate in the Valley gets the respect and the honor it deserves. For once. That's right. And they're talking about how they can't see the money they don't have. They're fighting. They're going back and forth. George wants everyone to know that he cares about tradition. Daryl is pushing back, saying that clearly the blue mats led to a surge in attendance. Now, Daryl could definitely be a sensei. Only Daryl and George would make this about the mats. Exactly. But Sue has something more important to say, that their target demographic or their core demo has been men and teen boys. Well, her chart is pretty hilarious. It's just a big pie chart with two slices cut out of it. The big Pac-Man shape section is just marked as middle-aged men and their sons. So, but they have a rising interest 
from young females. Mm-hmm. And so... It leads to kind of a quasi-slam contest among the members of the Karate High Council. Well, George here. has Snark to say, and she's and Sue uh, says it's a wonder he's been divorced three times. I'm shocked as well. So they're d- discussing what should happen. Should there be a Grand Marshal? And of course, Sensei Ron wants to bring in the local celebrities. Sue points out this is the Malcolm Jamal Warner debacle all over again. Yeah. What was that? I guarantee that the Malcolm Jamal Warner debacle was connected to the Applebee's incident. You know, if it all wraps up in a big bow in the end, like a big Sherlock-style finale where we reveal that all these incidents were somehow interrelated, that would be amazing. Absolutely. Ron says, no, no, this would be nothing like that. He's going to go through the proper channels. And Daryl snaps back. You couldn't get Louis Anderson to show up for a free buffet, Ron. Rest in peace, Louis Anderson. So this gives us a nice moment to recollect what it was like for girls who wanted to be in the All Valley before, namely Aisha, who kicked ass but got her own ass kicked during the previous All Valley. Yeah, and this presentation consists of a looping video of Aisha getting kicked to the mat over and over again. We're sanctioning an event where boys kick and punch girls. This could be perceived as problematic. Right. This is a wonderful ape of Hollywood meetings. And so rather than sanctioning events where co-eds kick and punch each other out, they have to work out a plan. So cut to a few hours later, and we know time has passed because the table is littered with coffee cups and everyone, including Sensei Ron, have their ties off. And Master Ron ominously says, Remember, this proposal will revolutionize the tournament. And by a show of hands, they say... We're going to step into the future and send out the letters. And also, God help us all. What could it be? What could it be? Well, whatever it is, I'm sure I will be thrilled because George is unhappy about it. Cut to Miyagi-Do, where (laughs) Dimitri is holding the punching bag for Sam, and Sam is still on her aggro kick that she's been on for the like the last few episodes and we find out immediately what's in those letters because daniel comes storming out into the bonsai tree filled yard bonsai tree to declare that the karate high council has now decided that the formerly co-ed tournament will now have separate gender division and there's gonna be a separate girls division there'll be two all valley champs but not only that there will also be a skills tournament. It's a whole new ball game. There'll be skills. There will be events, board breaking, weapons display. That's right. Then whoever gets the most events out of all the different categories becomes grand champion. So the kids are very concerned. How does this impact the overall wager that Miyagi-Do slash Eagle Fang has with Cobra Kai? And Daniels declares there's a grand champion trophy for whichever dojo wins the most points. Will satisfy the terms of the bet. And whichever dojo now wins the tournament wins the bet as opposed to whoever takes the championship at the end of the tournament, right? Yep. And, you know, Sam says that all I know is the girls division is mine. Sam's kind of on her own now that she knows that she's competing only against other women. Well, I think in her head, she knows she's only competing against Tori, right? I love that competence, Sam. We'll see where it gets you. Yeah. So that leaves skills in the boys, and Daniel says he's counting on them. And Chris says, who? Us? As everyone looks around, and Dimitri observes, Yeah, we're a bunch of Rudies. I mean, sure, we're good for the occasional inspirational moment, but... Oh, you are so full of crap. We're not exactly center map material. You're five feet nothing. A hundred and nothing. And you got hardly a speck of athletic ability. Dimitri points out that none of them are, are good enough to score off against someone whose name rhymes with Dobby, which means that Dimitri is is able to link Robbie with Dobby. First, he says, he who shall not be named, and then says rhymes with Dobby. And I'm like, wait a minute, Voldemort doesn't rhyme with Dobby. Typical muggle mixing metaphors. Eager to look on the bright side, Daniel says, by the time the tournament comes around, they're going to realize this is the best thing that could have happened to them. Cut to Eagle Fang Karate, the renamed Weber Industrial Warehouse, where Johnny says, This is the worst thing that could have happened to us. And he denigrates all of the new changes made to the tournament. Skills competition bullshit. What's this crap about a girls division? Thought they are all about women's lib. And... Sounds like we could use some female students. Fine. Johnny obviously upset that there's a girls division since Eagle Fang does not have a single girl in it. 
He failed to take the first lesson of film school, which is get a girl to be in your group. <laughs> uh, well, Johnny, it could be worse. Your town could be haunted by a killer psychic from another dimension. Would you like to join them? And then Johnny asks oh, if they know any girls. <laughs> of course they don't. Miguel suggests that they recruit girls. Bert knows one girl on the debate team, but Johnny doesn't want any more nerds, of course. And Miguel takes exception to that, being like, Johnny, I was a nerd. As the other Eagle Fangs begin jogging, Miguel tells Johnny that having Sam on their team would help. Miguel wants Johnny to talk to Daniel, but of course Johnny has nothing to say to Daniel. It's time for them to take care of their own business, Elvis would approve. Johnny insists that we'll find a girl champ, don't worry. As Miguel runs off, Johnny observes again, this is just, and we cut to Cobra Kai where Terry Silver says, Perfect. Recounting the First LaRusso and Johnny Lawrence split, now this. Now this, and he says the line beloved by Cobra guys, Mana from heaven, baby. Uh, yeah, Terry and Kreese lick their chops over the prospects of these tournament changes because with all these fancy new skills events and different boys and girls division, they're just lapping it up because Terry has spent a lot of money on fancy new Cobra Kai swag. So not only do they have girls in their dojo, but the, all the kids are going to be well-equipped to handle all these skills challenges as well, right? Exactly. Yeah, he's got all these new supplies. It's merchandising, merchandising. Their logo is going to be everywhere. Merchandising, merchandising. Cobra Kai. The t-shirt. Cobra Kai. The coloring book. Cobra Kai. The lunchbox where their real money from the movie is made. Starting with these new shoe boxes coming out of a big shipping box. And Chris points out on the backs of the All-Valley Champions. Yeah, Terry really missed a chance opening a karate dojo when if he really wanted to take over the valley, he should have opened a fleet of like designer shoe stores he would have kids lining up every sunday for the latest kicks today the new jordans come out whatever location you're at remember these are sneakerheads. meanwhile cut to the exterior of cobra kai we, we pan past lynn the unhoused who is happily eating a burrito finally she got her burrito as Tori walks up to find her deadbeat aunt haunting the strip mall hoping to siphon some disability off tori's mom yeah tori's lychee aunt catches her outside the dojo with an attempted shakedown. She tells Tori, Quick temper, just like your old man. This character really is a cartoon villain, but it's okay even if she is the most cartoonish of the villains of Cobra Kai because Peyton List has the acting chops to sell this. Well, Peyton List doubles down on reacting realistically. Her aunt says that Tori's mom always promised to take care of her. Tori's dad isn't going to magically show up when... When her mother dies, you know, she'll step in, and, and Tori says, Yeah, she taught me to recognize a low-class leech. The aunt threatens Tori with her reputation because it's already bad enough, says the judge is going to take one look at you. Who do you think's going to win a custody battle, huh? You're a high school dropout and a criminal. It's pretty cold to imagine your aunt saying, See you at, the, at your own funeral, sweetheart, tick-tock, but further proof that they might also be haunted by Stranger Things problems. Or there might be a Better Call Saul crossover in the mix. Meanwhile, at Sweet Valley High practice field, Johnny attempts to pick up some prospects on the field, but... Well, appropriately, we're going to test Johnny's idea that kicks get chicks. Because Johnny points out to Miguel that... Please, when I went to this school, the only thing I was better at than karate was talking to chicks. Watch and learn, Diaz. Watch and learn. Cue the montage of Johnny utterly failing to recruit women to learn karate at an abandoned factory by a burned out Chuck E. Cheese. We begin the montage with Girls, Girls, Girls by Motley Crue as Johnny walks around on the field running alongside girls on the track talking about how they should do karate and telling girls Photos on Facebook, you know what photos would look right? Photo of you kicking someone in the face. They all look a little creeped out as Miguel watches unimpressed by Johnny's tactics. Uh, now Johnny has decided to oil Miguel up. You gotta get into every groove. Just another little wink at Billy Zabka's past as a teen idol and asking ladies if they want to work up a real sweat. And he tells them to look over at Miguel. This is part of the stable of hot young dudes. Exactly. He, he ends this montage by trying to convince one last girl to join the squad. And well, she thinks, says she's asexual. 
Yeah, and this ace girl, yeah, there's a real cross-purposes joke here, which is great. I didn't know it was a noun. I'm asexual. All right, he's asexual too. Check him out. Total stud. As the whistle blows, Johnny and Miguel walk off dejected. Johnny says, I don't get it. Thought girls today were supposed to be tough. But, you know, as Miguel responds, Maybe not everyone needs karate. Lo and behold, a full moon rises. Indeed. Hannah Keppel's here. She says this. Apparently some perv is creeping on the track team, so we're going to practice inside. And, of course, Miguel tries to invite Moon to join Eagle Fang, and strangely, Moon is down for it. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Until she realizes that it's actually a contact sport, and she can't. I can't do the whole physical aggression thing. You know, you guys should ask my ex. That's right. Yeah, Moon is here to heal, hence that's why we have Moon's Remedy. Yeah, Moon is the healer in this party, for sure. Exactly. But she advises them to ask her ex. No, not Hawk. Piper. That's the ex. That's the girl that Moon was dating when Hawk went super aggro at the end of season two. That's right. Moon can't do the whole physical aggression thing, but Piper sure can. Hello. Turns out her non-Hawk ex is one of the best athletes in school. And so they're going to prepare Johnny for how to talk to her. Meanwhile, cut to the LaRusso mance. Yay, cutting back to the LaRusso man. Hold on, I'm coming. That's where Amanda is just chilling when who appears at the door but Tori? So you're knocking this time. Yeah, Amanda's wearing workout clothes. She answers the door only to find a contrite Tori who needs her help. She throws some shade before throwing the door open for her guest. Yeah, Tori wants to get her life back on track, and Amanda is down for that. She agrees to help as long as she stays the hell away from Sam. Tori notes that she wants to go back to school. She has to, but the LaRussos have to sign off on it. And Amanda winds up the pitch to ask for something in return. And it isn't just staying away from Sam, but getting support. And as Amanda astutely says, I want you to get support. Talk to someone. It doesn't matter. Just someone who isn't karate related. Unfortunately, who should walk in but Daniel and Sam? And of course, Sam freaks out. Devin? What are you doing here? Daniel's trying to give Sam a pep talk, but Sam freaks out. She feels betrayed, and Tori just sort of looks downcast. But we don't have time to find out what the fallout is yet, because we have to cut to Eli's basement. Yeah, we're at the Binary Bros secret headquarters in Hawk's basement. Man, Hawk's basement is so much nicer than the rest of his house, as we've seen in flashbacks from prior seasons. It really looks like someone's actual apartment. Dimitri charges down the stairs. Where the hell have you been? Dimitri's saying that, you know, he's not a Robbie Keane. He's not Batman. He's more like Alfred and Hawk is Batman, though he's not a DC guy. He needs Hawk to rejoin the team, or rather, he needs Eli. Yeah, I would say Hawk is more like a Moon Knight, but we've already got a Moon in this show, so that would just be confusing. We do, although we've yet to hear about her double life. Dimitri is lamenting all these changes, and... Hawk just wants to sit there and play Dungeon Lord. Yeah, Hawk is feeling like he's getting comeuppance for all his prior trespasses. I ruined my reputation, I talked a big game, and then just proved I was an asshole. Eli says everyone at school knows what happened, and it's embarrassing. Dimitri wants to know who... Who cares what they think? Besides, it'll go back. It doesn't matter. But Eli is broken. He's Hawk no more. He's ruined his reputation. Yeah, and we get the sad pan pipes of comeuppance. To Moon, to Miguel. As Hawk removes... Especially you. ...his cap to reveal his buzz cut, saying he's... Got what I deserved. ...no longer Hawk anymore. Yeah, Dimitri says that he doesn't care whether he has a mohawk, a mullet, or pigtails. Miyagi no needs him. Eli says he can't go back as Miyagi-Do. Dimitri says, you're choosing Eagle Fang over your best friend. And and Eli says he's done with karate. Wow, Dimitri is willing to forgive. But Eli just wants to forget. Yeah, Dimitri's horrified because he knows how talented Eli is and how, how much it helped him in life. But cut back to the Sweet Valley High Gym where Piper is practicing her gymnastics moves. Which makes her well-suited for some karate. Johnny and Miguel watch Piper. She's fast, she's strong. Girl's a natural eagle. Miguel is understandably impressed. Johnny and Miguel watch Piper and a dad asks which one is his, meaning kid. But once again, Johnny sounds like he's creeping. And what's going on here seems pretty pervy, doesn't it? As he watches Piper prove herself a natural cobra. Johnny has prepared a speech that he thinks will hook Piper as a prospect. Miguel reminds Johnny that he needs to be, Johnny says, awake, but it's woke Johnny. Right, and so Johnny gives Piper this woke cell. This is Sensei John Lawrence of Eagle Fang Karate. My dojo is a perfect place for a modern young woman like yourself. 
We teach anyone who identifies as female to embrace their queenly strength and tear down the neo-masculine hierarchy to confront internalized sexism. She wants to know about non-binary and gender fluid folks. Yes, fluids are crucial. Johnny notes, and Miguel saves it by noting that... (laughs) And he's funny. So, well done with that prepared speech. Piper takes the flyer and then gets called away by a group of girls holding black boxes that look a bit like the ones that Terry Silver unpacked in a previous scene. So while it looked like she might be joining Eagle Fang, she might not show after all. Cut back to the LaRusso mance where... What were you even thinking? Sam, I know this is difficult for you, but... Mom, you're the one who wanted her to go to jail, and now you want her back in school? Sam is reading Amanda the Riot Act for allowing Tori into the house. Sam is railing against Daniel and Amanda for helping Tori. Sam is quick to call out the hypocrisy of Daniel not getting along with Johnny. Daniel resists, but Sam calls BS. Sam, Johnny's and my differences have nothing to do with that. Yes, it does! Because in the valley, and on the show, the adults just do what they want, and she doesn't want her face torn off as a result of it. Amanda says as long as she's in school, she has something to lose, and Amanda believes that Tori's not going to hurt Sam, but Sam doesn't believe that, and then Sam storms off. And Amanda's unimpressed that Daniel gave her no backup whatsoever, but Daniel says... I mean, she has a point. Why are you helping this girl? That's right. Daniel asks why Amanda's helping Tori. Amanda has a backstory card to play. Did I ever tell you about the time I was arrested? I took a baseball bat to my math tutor's car. About an incident where she went all street fighter on a math tutor's car for having an affair with her dad. This is the super secret motivation and her reason for wanting to help Tori. Yeah, Daniel knew that Amanda got in some kind of trouble, but he thought it was a prank. No, she actually took a baseball bat to her math tutor's car. Which, to be fair, it's one hell of a prank. It is one hell of a prank. But Amanda worked hard to put it behind her. And I just want to hit the pause button here and say, y'all, Amanda got okay without ever needing Mr. Miyagi. Uh, That we know of. Are you telling Miyagi-Do me, senseis out there. Well, are you saying that Amanda and Hilary Swank are the same person? No, but perhaps secretly there's some other Miyagi-Dos out there that we don't know about yet. I mean, Shosen's out there. Uh, Hilary Swank's character's out there. Kumiko's out there. That's there, true. There are other people who are capable of senseiing. That's true. One truth, many senseis. Indeed. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, she worked to put it behind her, and as she adds, it's not exactly a first date story. But, you know, Amanda says, Tori's young, and maybe she's a lost cause, but... But Daniel, in peak Daniel mode, agrees. We'll never know if we don't try to help her. Wow, so Daniel is into it. Well, Um, I love it, because it shows that Daniel is still reachable, right? That is important, yeah. There's a reason why Amanda married Daniel. Yeah, when you ride for Miyagi-Do, you ride all the way, which is great. That's what we love about it. All Amanda wants to do is change the pattern because kids like Tori get the same messages delivered to them over and over again the same way. And then she adds, sometimes they just need a wake-up call to change course. And Daniel agrees. He says she's not the only one who needs a wake-up call. Wonder who he's thinking about there. Mm. Back to the binary basement. While Eli sulks in Dungeon Lord, Dimitri gives him the hard sell on karate as a lifestyle. That's right. Eli's playing a little more Dungeon Lord as Dimitri continues to tell him all the ways in which karate has helped him. And he has Hawk to thank for it. It's not going to be as exciting if you're not there. Yeah. And- Dimitri says he's actually excited about the karate. Hell, I'm actually excited about the All-Valley Tournament. Never thought I'd say that. If you had asked Season 1 Dimitri about that, he would have ever had interest in, right? What has confidence ever gotten anybody except for a black guy in their backpack throwing the trash? Besides, I don't need to learn karate when I have you. Oh, I say a lot of things, which tends to be a polarizing attribute of mine. And he's worried about losing his coolness factor and all the things that made Yasmin attracted to him. But he was actually excited and into it. And now it just won't be any fun at all. Well, PolitiFact equals true on that one, right? He has no choice but to go for the heartstrings. And thus he goes over to Hawk, closes the laptop, and holds up a YouTube video of the Binary Brothers theme song. They are. Binary Brothers. And so we see their own little music video to the Binary Brothers song. 
which you told me who came up with the music. Josh Hild, one of the co-creators of Cobra Kai. Wow. Yeah, he's getting the whole, this is who you are. Become who you are born to be. One of the binary brothers. Exactly. Dimitri says to Eli, this is who you are. And Eli replies, a loser. And then Dimitri says, my best friend. I know you think that Mohawk defined who you are, but it didn't. Yeah, Hawk, were you wearing the Mohawk or was the Mohawk wearing you? Hey. Oh. Dimitri adds, nothing changes the fact that he's Dimitri's binary brother. Whether you're number one or zero. Excellent writing. Very good. Excellent writing. This episode written by Matea Green. Some of the best writing in the whole show. Matea Green, who wrote the long Facebook note from Johnny to Allie in a previous season. Oh, yeah, that's right. Just absolutely stellar work. Yeah. Slow claps all around. And fast ones, too. Cut to the Karate Mart. Yes, we're going back to the Karate Mart. As we recall, this is adjacent to the Cobra Kai Dojo. Robbie walks in. Our man Nestor is here. They give each other a friendly greeting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the reasons I love this episode is that we get so many cameos from the Atlanta cast who really make Cobra Kai feel like home. And it reminds me of how, like, in the Star Trek movies, the Litter Nimoy directed, he always took care to give each of the cast special moments. So it's nice of the show to do that. It really generates a sense of place that that a bigger budget and special effects don't provide. Absolutely. So meanwhile, at the Mini Mart, Robbie is in the aisle picking out something that might be cereal when Daniel LaRusso walks up behind him. Yeah, Daniel walks up and says this will only take a minute. Daniel corners Robbie by the Lucky Charms, uh, but tries to pull an Amanda on Robbie. He thinks that Robbie needs that wake-up call, so Robbie thinks he knows what Daniel's come to say. Of course, Robbie is understandably skeptical. Now that their dojos have split up, Daniel doesn't have a champion, but Robbie could be that champion. Robbie thinks that Daniel wants him to be his lucky charm, but he's saying cheerio to this Frosted Flake. (laughs) I mean, in fairness, Robbie knows Daniel's tell, right? Robbie thinks Daniel's there to try to save him. He thinks that Daniel's there for self-interested reasons. But Daniel says he's there to break the pattern. He heard what Robbie did to Eli. Yeah. Daniel is just going to cut right to the chase and say he's not here to judge him. But then Daniel just gives Robbie the whole plot of how it will go if he falls under Terry Silver's influence. Terry Silver just popped up out of the blue, right? He did the same thing to me. He'll show you a few moves and he'll worm his way in. He knows the Terry Silver playbook. I used to be with it. Now it seems weird and scary to me. It'll happen to you. No way, man. He says he's sick and twisted. And as he goes on and on about how Robbie will become stronger than he ever thought possible, it won't stop there because they're going to go to the pain. Well, like a like a campfire horror story, it looks like Terry is in the house. He's right behind you, Daniel. He's not interested, Mr. LaRusso. And then it's Terry's turn to corner Daniel by the lucky charm. So we see Robbie head out. Terry sends him to go look at the new merchandise. And Terry tells Daniel it's unethical to poach students. You know, Terry pretends again that he's a sane, reasonable man and says that Daniel needs to respect Robbie's decision. But unfortunately, Terry's as oily as ever. Terry's like, you had your opportunity with Robbie. And you blew it. And you blew it. Daniel says, you're not a sensei, you're a con man. Terry's like, por que no los dos? Exactly. Yeah, Terry says, I only brought out what was already inside. You were a hothead. All I had to do was wind you up and get out of the way. Too true, too true. He says, I didn't turn you into anything. I just brought out what was already inside. You know you liked it. Like there's always been a little Cobra Kai in you. Yeah, Tommy C. and Griffith is relishing this. It looks like uh, he's not the only one because Ralph Macchio looks absolutely lit while Terry Silver talks to him about how under Cobra Kai's influence, Daniel was powerful and free. It's pretty electric, I gotta admit. It is. And, And really, in that moment, he looks just like young Daniel LaRusso. In this moment, he particularly channels his younger self. Daniel makes himself scarce. And in that moment, Nestor cuts him down to size by saying, if he's gonna use this place as a conference room, buy something only for Terry to turn around and give him a frightening glower. Take, take your time. Cut to the Eagle Fang Industrial Warehouse where Piper is running late, 
Unfortunately, according to the Gram, she got poached by Cobra Kai. Yeah, they find out when Miguel says he'll DM her to see where she is. But when he loads her social media, he sees a video of her unboxing her new Cobra Kai swag. Nothing but the best for the best. Can't wait to kick ass with Team Cobra Kai. What a mess. And Johnny Lumets, what a waste of time it was. So that was just a big waste of time. I even learned feminism. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, Johnny's real sore about this Gram. We don't have Cobra Kai's money. Miguel counters. I wasn't a champion when you met me. You made me one. You saw something in me that no one else did. Maybe you have to see that in someone else. Johnny basically wants to go find the girl Miguel, someone who has untapped potential and maybe... We just have to think outside of the box. And Johnny's like, well, it's a good thing this is a box warehouse. He's uh, like, maybe they need a bigger box to think outside of. Whatever that means. Cut to Sam's car driving through a lush forested area that looks very beautiful up to a very fancy house. Who could she be visiting? Well, the episode has already given us a pretty good clue. Also, shout out to the t-shirt that Sam is wearing that Colin saw. Yeah, she's wearing a 90s solo comp print shirt that I saw on Etsy. Yeah, now I kind of want it. But no time to go into merchandising because we see the door open to reveal that she's visiting Sam. Aisha, it's a surprise. Wow, Aisha's back, everybody. And living uh, in a place that looks like heaven. But we're told it's Santa Barbara. I mean, they could be the same thing, depending on how much money you make. suspiciously like Atlanta. I have to say, I cried when I saw Aisha. Oh, absolutely. I did not honestly think we were ever going to see her again. They had written her off the show, and but the show is doing a great job, like you said earlier in this very episode, of catching up with everybody. We've had Nestor, we've had Houseless Lynn, and now we've got Aisha. Yeah, I mean, Aisha used to be a much more major character. I have things to say about that in a minute, but it's just so neat to see her full circle. She says that her dad got an offer from UCSB that they couldn't pass up. Sam says the fight at school had nothing to do with it, and we're going to hear more about how she's grown as a person because she asks Sam, you know, you're not just here to talk about the past, like what's going on now. Sam wants to know how to solve a problem like Tori Nichols. I feel like I don't have control of my life. And Sam confides, it's that Tori wants to come back to the high school and her parents want her to be cool with that. And of course, Aisha can't believe it because Sam's parents used to make her wear a helmet on the trampoline. But Sam says Tori told them some sob story. And Aisha answers this by telling a story about when she moved to her new school. There was this girl in my homeroom. Looked like she walked out of a Malibu Barbie beach house. And gave Aisha a look and Aisha just knew that she was going to be a bully. But I wasn't going to let the cycle repeat itself. So I walked right up to her. I introduced myself. And complimented her shoes. Seemed like the polite thing to do. I attacked my problem head on. Head on. Applied directly to the forehead. (laughs) Yes. At any rate, she created this positive attachment and now this girl is her bestie at school. My new school bestie. You'll always be the OG. (laughs) But by attacking that problem and striking first. Just like Johnny taught you. Sam declares. Just like Johnny. Aisha says that her parents can't stop her from using the lessons she learned from Sensei Lawrence. And neither should you, Sam. Neither should you. Exactly. But what lessons will you choose to take? You know, Aisha said, I set my own terms, set yours. This episode has the classic Cobra Kai move of everyone taking the wrong or an incomplete lesson from some very good insights. Yeah, just like Jerry Blank. Well, everything turned out to be pretty okay. The second time through high school, oh, I'm still doing the wrong things, but at least I'm doing them the right way. Cut to Debate Club at Sweet Valley High, where a new fan favorite, a young female student, is arguing against capital punishment as Johnny sidles up to talk to Miguel and Bert in the audience. Johnny says he's thinking outside the box and he's brought a duffel bag full of women's clothing. Johnny's big idea is to have someone, probably Mitch, pose as a girl. Well, Johnny has this harebrained scheme he learned from a Rodney Dangerfield movie. What do you say we bust up this joint, huh? Hey, Ringo, play something hot, will ya? And you guys. Take some more lessons. No, not that Rodney Dangerfield movie. Another Rodney Dangerfield movie. Is that your real hair? What do you think? I think you're trying to get back at your parents. That's what I think. (laughs) Oh, wait, no, not that one. This one. Boy, when she walks in the room, mice jump on chairs. (laughs) (laughs) This coach, you know, Billy Zabka says of his mentor, Rodney Dangerfield, he gets no respect. That's right. (laughs) Meanwhile on stage, the girl continues to go on about the death penalty. Screw decorum! I really think of the death penalty. Cutting into her dude opponent's time and shoving him and destroying his book. That's my book! It's the girl Bert told him about, but Johnny's too busy congratulating himself on his find 
of the girl to give Bert credit. Give Johnny credit. He can spot a natural cobra when he sees one. I see my time. Yeah, Bert's crush and turns out to be the most badass girl in the valley. Why don't real world Democrats show this kind of spine? Hey, speak for yourself. It may be funny to you, motherfucker, but it's not funny to me, okay? Bert says she loves extracurriculars. Poor Bert. Cut to Miyagi dough, where Daniel has hauled out the sound equipment. He's going to pipe in some crowd noise to try and get Miyagi Do's into the feeling of what it's like at an actual tournament, right? Exactly. Uh, this is all out on the sparring deck playset, and uh, Daniel runs Dimitri through some drills complete with crowd noise. Yeah, Daniel's playing audience sounds and getting the guys to spar. He brings Dimitri up as the other Miyagi Do's cheer for meat. Which is not a very auspicious... Well, meat's not exactly back on the menu, boys. Uh, <laughs> Dimitri blocks Daniel admirably, but once Daniel gets a hit in, he gets upset. <laughs> Damn it! No, that kick was awesome. This is an interesting moment because we see that while Dimitri's excited about the All Valley, he hasn't put his own fears and insecurities behind him. Even though Daniel's worked with him on it, he's still got a ways to go. And Daniel's giving him encouragement like he did well. Um, at this moment, though, someone walks up. It's because here comes Hawk, a.k.a. Eli, rolling up. Doesn't matter. I'm just here to do what I can to help out the team. Because he just wants to help out his binary bros. That's right. Daniel's thrilled to see him, asking him, is it Eli or Hawk? And Eli says, doesn't matter. He's just here to do what he can to help out the team. It's Eli the White, who has returned to us at the turn of the tide. Thank God. Daniel says, the more help, the better. But first, you need a key. When Daniel goes inside and finds Sam, and she's in there stretching, she says she didn't want to interrupt Daniel's boys club. And Daniel is just totally taking Sam for granted here, right? Like, he goes to apologize. Hey, Sam, about yesterday. No, Dad, it's fine. Sam says, You and Mom were right. It's time we leave the past behind us, right? Daniel tells her he's proud of her, but he doesn't even know what she's thinking. He just says, It's never easy being the bigger person. As Sam smiles craftily. Cut to Sweet Valley High, possibly the next morning. Everyone is looking horrified to see Tori as she gets scanned through security. And just as she enters the lobby, who should walk up but Sam? Yeah, and Tori says, I heard you let me back in, Larissa. I guess she's gearing up to thank Sam, but Sam. So I guess I don't know what kind of game you're playing, but I'm not scared of you. Strikes very hard. And very first. Yeah, verbally. But if you so much as look at me funny, saying that I will kick your ass for a third time. Nice reminder that Sam has won every fight so far. I'm coming for you, bitch. As she walks off, dramatic music plays. Sam has a little jerk smirk, kind of like Johnny, but more evil. And there we have it, and Snake. And with that, we conclude Cobra Kai. Season 4, Episode 6. Kicks get chicks. They do. Wow. They got this chick anyway. Uh, indeed. So, now that the episode is concluded, mm-hmm. I turn to you, Jenny, and I ask the question I ask at the conclusion of every episode. What did you think of this episode? This episode made me cry. This episode has a lot going on, doesn't it? It, it has a lot going on. It's a wonderful moment. It, it begins on a, a, on a cheeky note with, with the references to, our demographic isn't what we thought it was, or there are more people in the world than just men and boys. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the title Kicks Get Chicks isn't just a reference to Johnny from before in a prior season talking about how karate makes you hot. It's a reference to what happens when we bring women into the Cobra Kai world. And while Cobra Kai remains a show very much devoted to characters that the original film set up and kind of limited by that in a certain way, it still has space for women to kick ass and have feelings and be complex characters. And this is the episode where we see them acknowledge it and we get to enjoy it. And we also have some badass women brought into the fold, which is super exciting. I agree. I think that this episode has so much going on for it, mostly under the surface. As you said, like one of the strengths of this show is that because the creators of the show cut their teeth in comedy, I find the way that the show is able to use humor to lampshade the things that have been problematic about it or the things that people have criticized about it. It's one of the show's strengths. Yeah, that's right. And it really 
takes those ideas and kind of turns them on their head. This episode is a prime example of that. Yeah, it is. It is. And also, you know, it's written from a woman's perspective. That helps a uh, lot. It helps a lot. It's something that's been a long time coming to have a woman in the writing room full time on Cobra Kai. It's just, it's a funny episode. It allows the existing women characters to all become more complicated as we learn more about Amanda, as we see Sam coming into her own aggro power. We see Tori realizing that she has to stop only being this angry, strong person and and go ask for help, right? So at that moment, we also are getting these new characters like Jordan and Piper, and they do show the woke stuff, but the joke is more on Johnny Lawrence than it is on the stuff. Like sometimes in previous episodes, they'll make fun of the hollow initiatives that spin out of well-intentioned legislation, you know, in school and stuff like mm-hmm. that, like anti-bullying. Um, but in this case, the joke is on the people who aren't woke. Mm-hmm. And that makes a difference, I think. That makes the world richer and makes us feel more for the characters. And, and also, it's great because we see all this table setting happening, but, you know, you don't notice it. Because we've, we just hit the mid-season mark. The board has been reshuffled. We're reminded that the dojo has of Miyagi Fang has split back up. Cobra Kai is using Terry Silver's ample resources to seduce people with the coolest merch. And all of that is happening in a subtle, ongoing fashion. And so the whole board is being reset and there's a lot of plot stuff happening, but it's all in this very funny way. Exactly. It's never super heavy, except for when Amanda confesses to to Daniel about her high school problems. Mm -hmm. And then when Sam goes for Tori. Other than that, another thing Cobra Kai does really well, which is use those comic beats to make you forget that there's going to be a dramatic punch coming. Absolutely. And this episode really is a showcase for some of the characters that we've always wrote for. Amanda, Sam... Uh, even Tori gets some interesting stuff to do. It's really a great showpiece for those characters and those performers. But the men in the show also get new new arcs handed to them. Well, Johnny um, gets a lot of fun stuff to do in this show. Well, Johnny gets a lot of fun stuff to do, although he didn't really learn feminism. But maybe he knows that it's a word. He knows how to pronounce it. Exactly. But the most interesting arcs that come out for our male characters are Dimitri and Hawk, right? Hawk's is more obvious. Clearly, you know, as you said, did you wear the mohawk or did the mohawk wear you? You know, (laughs) Eli has to come forth and be part of the team now and not just be in it for himself and for the feeling of being badass. And Dimitri, a more subtle thing being shown here, but no less important, Dimitri still hates the fact that he can't be perfect. And is embarrassed by that and doesn't want to screw up. Even though he's excited, he's still scared. Absolutely. And so part of their challenge is to put that behind them so that they can perform for a higher calling. Mm-hmm. We'll see if they succeed. Any other thoughts about where their characters are in this episode? I mean, we're now a little past the midpoint. And so now some of the table is getting reset from the fallout from the previous episode. Obviously, the show starts with a massive change. Like, everything from the previous season finale on was all about this bet and how Johnny and Daniel would adapt to Cobra Kai and Terry Silver showing up to completely turn over the apple cart for karate in the valley. And then the apple cart gets turned over again by the Karate High Council. So it's like they make the bet, the terms of the bet have now changed in an interesting way. It's very interesting that they don't really show any sort of scene where Terry, Crease, Daniel, and Johnny reconvene and mm-hmm. renegotiate the bet. Since the Shadow the, Council. Since the Yeah, since the tournament rules change, they just kind of all assume that whoever is grand champion is enough to sa- satisfy the terms of the bet. Mm-hmm. And again, the show is fine with leaving that detail to the side and moving past it but it really introduces this amazing twist to where it's like oh well shoot if the karate kid franchise is always built on like this big showdown at the end of the movie or at the end of the season where it's it's a 1v1 it's daniel versus somebody it's johnny versus somebody it's uh the actual karate tournament and now the 
wrinkle that we can now have two big confrontations at least at the be you know minimum <laughs> at the end of the season is pretty enticing mm-hmm. and uh, and of course it's all just to be able to give Sam and Tori a final showdown and then maybe you Robbie know, versus Ma- someone. Robbie and Miguel a final showdown or Robbie versus whoever. Yeah. It feels like it's going to be Miguel, although Miguel has been taking a backseat in terms of karate. Like, he doesn't have anything to prove in karate right now. That's true. He is the previous year's champion, which, again, if it were Karate Kid 3 rules, he would just get shuffled right through to the, the big final match, right? Yeah. It would have been nice to have Johnny or Daniel acknowledge that in the world to where it's like... Does our deal even count anymore? Right. Or or something like when whenever the letter comes, like the idea that it's like, well, the Karate Ch- Council just seems to change these rules at random no matter what. Just kind of like a meta dig at the way that the the tournament rules always seem to conveniently change to fit the plot of whatever is going on, right? Yep. How did you feel about seeing Aisha again? I thought it was great. I thought it was a long time coming. I thought we should have been checking in with Aisha the entire time. Even if for whatever reason Aisha couldn't be on the show, you know, we needed like a Zoom chat or just something so that she was still in the mix. Her character as like conceptually was Mm -hmm. a good idea, like Mm -hmm. having that presence in Cobra Kai. The direction they took with Cobra Kai as a dojo didn't really fit with Aisha. Like, would she have broke Eagle Fang, or would she would she have gone full Miyagi Do? It's hard yep. to say. Um, so yeah, for the story they wanted to tell, it makes that they took Aisha off the board. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the viewers saw themselves in her. I certainly did, and I think that there was a lot they could have done with her. There were choices made mm-hmm. that that didn't necessarily have to exclude her all the way. Right? I mean, Moon still comes back regularly there you know yasmin so yasmin came back in a big way i never expected to see her (laughs) back after season one like because she got pretty thoroughly dispatched by aisha at the end of that season yes she did yeah so the way the show can turn around characters is pretty is pretty wild pretty interesting i just nicole brown you know i think she did such a good job and I don't know if we're going to see her again. Uh, maybe at the very end, if there's a big, massive, if the whole valley, you know, goes into all-out fighting in the streets and she swoops in. I would I would have liked to have a throwaway line when she was talking to Sam for her to be like, oh, yeah, I'm in the Santa Barbara Karate Academy now or something like that. To where it's it's like, Yeah, let's, let's not say that she g- ever gave up on, on karate. The message is great that just because she's no longer doing karate doesn't mean that karate isn't still helping her. Yeah, that is a good message. But it just is a shame that we don't get to see that because right. she meant so much for in two seasons of the show. So that was great and also kind of a bummer. And I feel like there's just so much going on in this episode that it's hard to even encompass it all when trying to relate. Like, who's the MVP? What Easter eggs? Like, there's just a whole lot happening here. So who is your MVP? Oh, I thought you were going to ask me that. Oh, there's so many good choices on this one. Obviously, Devin is a very strong new contender. Uh, obviously, the Hawk and Eli storyline continues to be very compelling. Amanda takes a big swing here, but I give my MVP to Amanda quite often. I think... Hmm. I mean... I think I'm going to have to give it to Sam. Huh. I mean, Sam is very critical to what's going on here, right? Yeah. I mean, she's continuing on her aggro kick. I think maybe that is why I like it. She ends the episode in a bad... Like, she switches it up on us. We think that she's going to learn a lesson by the end of this episode. Yeah. But she learns the wrong lesson. And even though that's not a great thing to happen to her as a character, it is a fun thing to see Mary Mauser play. Yep play with those ideas so i'm definitely gonna have to give it to sam and to mary mauser for this episode um just because of this direction that sam is going she's going down a bad road and you hate to see it but then it's fun to watch her play it so yeah it's an interesting place to be in i also was very tempted to give it to amanda because we learned this stuff about her. We see a new side to her. I found myself wondering if we'd ever see Amanda resort to physical violence again. 
And I also thought about Tori because of the incredible acting Peyton List put in with her leechy aunt. That was a good scene. And the scene had no right to be as good as it was because that aunt, well, like I said, was a cartoon villain. Probably the weakest scene in terms of setup. Like, would someone really show up and threaten you? Maybe. I mean, maybe because Tori has this record, there's some disdain there. But Peyton List. Well, I mean, that's the thing with a show like this. There's so many threads and so many storylines going on. You have to very quickly get some ideas across. And so sometimes you have to have a recurring character or a performer come in and deliver something at like a 10 out of 10 level Mm -hmm. just to get the point across. And it's up to one of our regular performers like Peyton List to actually ground the scene and play it real so that you feel it more than 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 it, what's being written on the page, right? It happens a lot in Cobra Kai because of the sweet spot the show hits between the drama and the cornball and the crazy stuff that happened in the original trilogy. The best of all, though, I agree, the MVP of this episode is Sam because she comes... Wow, another Daily Double, Another huh? Daily Double, wow. not on purpose, but she comes out of nowhere. And, and the reason I know is that my reaction to her when she officially turned first of all we get to see her in all these different registers over the episode right like we see her upset at her parents we see her going to see Aisha we see her talking to Daniel we see kind of breaking Eagle Fang we think but no in the end it's not just that she decides to go train with Johnny which we'll see that borne out later it's obvious that that's coming it's that she goes 10 out of 10 aggro is gonna bully Tori yeah, in Tori, her own way yeah. anyway And that, I think, the way I felt when I realized that was so sad. And and that is a testament to, and also peaked of like, oh my God, what's next? It's a testament to- Well, also, she does that great teenager thing in that final scene where it's like she smirks as she walks away. Sam thinks she's killing it, right? Like, she thinks, I've got this, when really you could not have this less. That feeling you have as a teenager where it's like, I'm invincible, my decision is correct. Yep. No matter how dumb the decision is. (laughs) <laughs> finally, I'm, finally the chains are off. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's terrible and it's sad, but also watching her play it is pretty amazing. Yeah, just on every level. So I have to give it to her because in the end, Sam was kind of the next karate kid at the end of season one. Like it was obvious that while we focused on the boys, there were girls coming. Mm-hmm. And so on this episode that is focused to women's place in karate and karate's place in women's lives, that we get to see her do such a twist as a character such a twist indeed bring about such a twist so in terms of easter eggs any thoughts there uh easter eggs this episode has a lot i mean it kind of is its own easter egg in a way like yes. we've where we talked about the way it kind of lampshades some of the previous decisions that the show and that the franchise has made over the years but i think probably uh the biggest Easter egg is probably, for me, this kind of weird inversion of the cruel summer scene from the first Karate Kid, mm-hmm. where everybody's having a great time on this on this intramural field, and it's Daniel and it's Allie, and they're having super fun. Then cut to 30 years later, and it's Johnny, you know, just being a creep and a weirdo out here on the intramural field. They should have, like, played Cruel Summer, like, in a minor key on a piano <laughs> just to really drive home the point. Lynn and the burrito. Lynn getting the burrito was very good. Yeah, like, yeah. happiness is a warm burrito for Lynn. Mm-hmm. So that was great. Good to see her back. I think I'll stick with that just because there's a lot of layers of signification and references happening and. You know, last episode, I think we talked about how the deleted scenes worked for us as an Easter egg. Mm-hmm. But this is something that, like, it's a little wink that if you're watching the show, you know. Yeah, you know? exactly. And so I'll stick with that. And uh, keeps the cheekiness high, right? You know who else keeps the cheekiness high? <laughs> we do. <laughs> we do, yeah. On we this do. podcast. I'm not really sure what that means, but we do. Well, what I mean is that we're <laughs> continuing our important work of recapping every single Cobra Kai episode and Karate Kid movie and everything within the Miyagi-verse. So there's also talk of a new Karate Kid reboot coming down the pipes, whether that's going to be connected to Counterbalance Entertainment and this current uh, this current continuity of Cobra Kai, we will see. It's like It looks like it's going to be the Karate Open Brackets Kung Fu Close Brackets Kid. I mean, we'll see. Indeed. I mean, they'll, they'll keep trying. And if they keep trying, then I guess we'll have to keep trying because we're, we're locked in at this point. I mean, one of the things that, you know, we can talk about more as the news comes in is like, 
there's a there are conversations about do people want this thing? Do people want that thing? You know, is this even worth it? This is so different than where we are now, what we know. But these movies, these at the franchise level and the, the cinematic level, they make so much money. It's true. Like the 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 reboot of the Karate Kid with Jaden, like it made so much money sure. and globally. And I think that, you know, relative to how much the production cost was, and I think that I understand the desire to throw more stuff at the wall and see if it sticks. Uh, for us, I think we are mostly focused <coughs> on the Miyagi-verse, but I'm very excited to see where they go. More on that as it develops, but for more on what we're up to, you can follow us on social media. Follow us at Karate Kid Pod on Twitter, on Instagram. You can like our show on Facebook. You can like our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, over cast or your podcatcher of choice we are everywhere you want to be with our (laughs) with our very cheeky recaps anything else before we go i think that's it for now all right excellent well with that until next time with cobra kai season four episode seven minefields minefields i've been colin canada i am jenny carlson and we'll see you around the miyagiverse see you around the miyagiverse Are You Karate Kidding Me is hosted by Colin Kennedy and Jenny Carlson. Intro music is by Chepo. Cobra Kai music is by Leo Bierenberg and Zach Robinson. Karate Kid music is by Bill Conti. Rate our show on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice to help grow our listenership. Email us at karatekidpod at gmail.com with questions and comments. Or find us on social media. Use the Twitter handle at karatekidpod. This podcast is independently produced by Geckring Media. Media.